0: There's really nowhere to acknowledge
1: this love that I feel from my friends. In order to have conflict with somebody, there, there must be like a kind of depth. You wake up every day and you choose this person to be your friend. It's what you do when you cannot show up for your friends in the way that they want or need. For resentment because you really feel like you were not treated fairly. You are listening to Two Bees in a Pod
0: and I am Bula
1: and I am B Leonga, and this is a podcast about immigrant experiences, sharing our perspectives on various topics. Including straddling cultures, fitting in, staying connected, learning
0: and unlearning the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Our episode today is a Valentine's Day episode because it's going to be airing on February 12th, which is a couple of days before Valentine's Day. So we are going to be talking about love, but not... The love that you have in mind. Before we get into that, our icebreaker is what is one way others demonstrate their love for you that touches you deeply? And I am avoiding using the term love language because I know all of us love that term and we understand what it means. But I've recently learned that this concept is actually does not have any scientific basis. This idea that there is one way or one primary way that people receive love it was the idea was put forth by this man called Dr. Gary Chapman and he has a phd not in psychology or any behavioral science it's in adult education so and he's also a christian marriage counselor so he's really not the concept is not based in science and it's problematic in some ways but y'all y'all understand what i'm talking about so again the question is what is one way that others demonstrate their love for you that touches you deeply i will
0: say it's somebody who gets overwhelmed easily and just gets very frazzled, people doing things for me when I'm overwhelmed is a sure way to to make me fall in love with you. <laughs> just, just because, like, that's that's a thing. Like, I get, I tend to get really easily overwhelmed, um, and I have to work really hard to keep myself guided. So, if you can sort of sense and know that about me. And just find ways to relieve me without me asking, which is also strange because we say we should ask for what we want, but mm-hmm. people being able to get that and help me help myself is is one way that touches me deeply.
1: So what if somebody recognizes they're overwhelmed, right? And they ask you, what can I do to help? Will, are you forthcoming with telling them like, okay, you can do this? Or are you the type of person who will say, oh no, it's okay. Thank you. It depends where I am in my spiral. <laughs> <laughs> so if I just started
0: unraveling, I could, I've learned, I'm, I'm much better at saying this is what I need in this moment. If I'm not upset that you are not reading my mind and knowing that I'm unraveling, then I can say, but when I'm angry and irrational, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to say I'm fine.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: again, I'm irrational at that point. So don't ask me.
1: Got it. Because there are people who like struggle with knowing like how to help, right? And I remember during COVID, like one of my friends dad had COVID. Um, and this was during the height of COVID and he was hospitalized and it was they were in a different state. And I was like, man, like I don't I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And I asked her, what can I do to help? And she told me, you know, you could like order food and send to her brother who was in the same state as her dad. And I really, really appreciated that she told me that because it's not something that I would have thought of, you know? So I try to keep that in mind because like you, normally in the past, if I'm overwhelmed or went through something and people ask like, you know, what can I do? I would be like, no, I'm fine. And I wouldn't hold it against them because... I don't want to inconvenience anybody, but yeah, like that, that was a lesson for me and I really appreciated her for that. So now like, that's one of the things that I do for people when I like, I'll order them food and send it to yeah. them. Shout out to Instacart, DoorDash, where <laughs> eat, mm-hmm. Because yep. it's, it's,
0: it's been very clutch. Like when people are going through something, they're bereaved, they're grieving. It, my friends lost their dad a few years ago and I joked that I was fastening them because through like, The couple of weeks I was constantly sending food. But I just feel like it's it's like one less thing for you to think about when you're dealing with stuff. So if I can take that um, exactly.
1: Something that somebody did for me when I experienced a loss, and this was not somebody that I knew very well, but they sent a cleaning service to clean, you know, my apartment at the time. And that was so very thoughtful. I appreciated that so much. Because to your point. That is one less thing to worry about, right? So that was, yeah, that was super thoughtful. So for me, things that have really touched me in the past is when somebody remembers something that I did not really make a point to emphasize, right? And then they they go out of their way to do something. So I'll give an example. I bought a mandolin, which is like a utensil that you use to slice yeah. vegetables or whatever, really thin. And it's super sharp. Super sharp. Yes, and the day that I got it, of course, I was excited and slicing all of these things, and I cut both of my thumbs, obviously, because I'm a clumsy yeah. ox, and I was not no, no, being no, no, careful.
0: No, 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 it's you. <laughs> I promise, it's you.
1: So I was just having a casual conversation with my sister, and I mentioned to her, like, I was laughing about it, like, oh, I bought this mandolin, and I sliced, you know, both of my thumbs trying to use it. Mentioned the thing, the conversation has passed. I don't know if it was the very next time, but one time when she came to see me, she had gone. When she was at the store, she bought gloves, these special gloves that you use when you're using the mandolin. And like it touched me. So this was several years ago and I'm still telling this story because it's like I mentioned it once in passing in a conversation. It was not something that I made a big deal out of. I just mm-hmm. laughed at it. But she remembered. And when she was out, I don't even know the store that she got the gloves from, but she remembered to get them, you know. So it's like it's a small thing. It's like you thought of me you know so yeah those type of small things and I try to be like that for other people even though you know I I don't always succeed but when I can recall a little thing that somebody liked and I can you know demonstrate that I thought of them after the fact it's for me it's important see that's why I tell people but I'm also learning to
0: give people what they want because sometimes I I like to buy People things that I think they would like, like something they might have mentioned that they like. If I see it, I want to buy it and like give it to you. But mm-hmm. around your birthday, I may not have found anything in that moment. It doesn't mean that I'm not wanting to get your birthday gift. It's just I really do, I would rather buy something that I know that you want, you said that you want, or I know that you really
1: would like versus just I'm trying to meet these specific dates in time. Mm-hmm. And that's what stresses me about Christmas. It's because you're trying to do that for so many people. Birthdays, I'm okay with because, you know, you have time and, you know, you, you're you anticipating it and you don't have that pressure. But that's precisely what stresses me about Christmas because I don't want to just give people a gift for the sake of giving. So maybe from
0: like August, every time you buy something, just save it for Christmas.
1: Yeah, may- maybe that's the way, though. Uh, I've heard of the girlies who have a gift drawer. So if they're out, let's say like, you know, in TJ Maxx or wherever, like in, you see something cute, yeah. you buy it and you put it in your gift drawer, even if you don't have a specific person in mind at that point, or you may, you buy it and just, and I think I might start doing that. I mean,
0: years ago, I thought that my friends when they their reproductive age, so I bought all these pregnancy journals. I would like to report <laughs> that it's, it's been eight years. I've gifted exactly zero. That's all I have to say. But Another thing that somebody has done, this is more specific, but many years ago, I I was in a situation where I was stuck at the airport and I called a friend and I was crying and she's like, I don't have any money. I don't get paid, but I have a hundred dollars, you know, I can try to find you a ticket. And it's still, it's really meant a lot to me then. And I think about it today, it's still because she didn't have, she didn't think twice about it. She was ready to use her last, you know, dollar on Hmm. me where I don't even know if till today I will do that. Like I'm I'm very guided in my I won't be realistic in what I'm offering. I would be realistic. And yeah, I think about, and I remind her all the time. Like we, we don't talk as much, but I do remind her all like remember the day you said, and I think she recently she's like, she doesn't even remember, but I keep reminding her so she she believes it happened, but <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she does not remember on the flip side I just want to put it out there although I know my foolish friends already know this and I'm giving them more jokes that one thing that is not going to touch me deeply is a hug or any kind of touch
1: (laughs) (laughs) really you don't like hugs I'm a work in progress I have another friend who who doesn't like hugs she's getting better but in the past I would have to be like can I hug you today (laughs) So I give birth to the most, most touchy
0: child on earth. Can I get a hug? Can I get a hug? Huggy? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I'm working on it. I would say that I'm getting better. Some people might disagree, but I mm. think I've come a long way.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Like not everybody can be that, you know, touchy-touchy. And it's important for your parents to respect your boundaries too now. My great-grandmother was not
0: happy with me. She told my parents I didn't like old people and I was hanging my nose in the air. I just didn't want people <laughs> She said, She told my mother that your child that will come here and is hanging. It was just, I didn't want... It was a touch. It literally was just a touch. Mm.
1: Okay, so Valentine's Day, right? We're going to be talking love today, but not romantic love. We're going to be talking friendship, specifically platonic love. Why? So I'm going to ask you because you are the one who came up with the idea for this episode and to talk about friendship. So why why is it important for us to talk about friendship today over romantic love?
0: For one, I feel like romantic love has been so commercialized and Mm. so much capitalism surrounding Valentine's Day. And I feel like platonic love does not get the respect it deserves. I will speak from... My very bias when I think of platonic love, I mostly think about female and female friendships because that's what I know. And I know the things that my female friends have done and probably will do for me. And I just feel like there's like the way our society is set up, there's really nowhere to acknowledge this love that I feel from my friends, give it the respect
1: and acknowledgement that it deserves. I agree. Yeah, platonic love is very much underrated right yes in our society and i think for women in particular it's important for us to decenter romantic relationships and put priority on platonic relationships because we all know that romantic relationships when when you look at it they are more short-lived than you know platonic most of the time right they are more short-lived they cause you a lot more emotional damage and stress I would say that they you know in terms of like improving your quality of life platonic relationships do more to improve and maintain your quality of life than romantic relationships and that I, and when I say dissenter romantic relationships that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue them but, don't you know like I said in our relationship episode I think that was what episode three we need to get it off of that pedestal off of this high place there that we've put it on so for women in particular I think it's important for us to decenter romantic relationships and of course I'm speaking in the context of heterosexual relationships but I think it applies for other types of romantic relations like gender non-conforming and you know uh, gay relationships as well like I think even in that context, platonic relationships should be, you know, centered over romantic.
0: And I think also for men, <laughs> I've recently just always asked men, like out of curiosity, what do you discuss with your friends? Or like what do your friends what what do your friendships look like and what what do they mean to you? Because I'm, I'm curious about the nature of male friendships. And I find that a lot of men may not have strong friendships the way that women have. I listened to a podcast. I can't remember which one, but it was like The Lonely American Man. And it was talking about how male friendships, like in childhood, how they go from being friends and how they start drifting apart. And then they get to like middle age or even old age and they don't have anybody. And they have all these things and where they should be talking to people, you know, was think a problem shared is a problem solved, but like just talking mm-hmm. through with your friends. So sometimes when you're thinking about something, you're stressing and you say it out loud, it's like hearing yourself sometimes talking out loud helps you to work through some of your problems.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot
0: of males don't have that. And that's why the likes of Andrew Tate's and Kevin Samuels get all the attention because conversations they should be having in their group chats with their friends, they are now turning to incels and listening to them
1: but even those manosphere podcasts are not helping them with what you're talking about they're not providing (laughs) the community or platform and what we see a lot in romantic relationships is that men put a lot of that emotional burden on their partners right like your your female partner then has become you know has taken the place of your therapist your friend. There's a lot of emotional yeah. work that women do in romantic relationships because men do not have adequate friendships and they refuse to seek out counseling and other uh, mental health services. I mean, that burden is put on their romantic partners. And to your point, uh, I wanna, <laughs> I'm gonna try for us not to derail this too much, but <laughs> in terms of male to male friendships, I think that men are socialized not to have the kind of emotional capacity to have the kind of deep friendships that women have. That's why they make jokes about women, you know, falling out all the time and, you know, bickering and fighting. In order to have conflict with somebody, there, there must be like a kind of depth, right, in the relationship that men simply do not have. And that's why you people don't have that conflict. Because you don't have the courage, you don't have the courage to really be vulnerable with each other, you know, and it's a product of socialization. Listen, I could go on and on about this, but if there's a man listening to this and you want to come on and discuss this with us, like, we would love to have you on. But that is my view is that men are socialized to be very emotionally shallow. They are not socialized to have an inherent self-worth and identity that is required to really be vulnerable. in in the way that women are in our friendships. I was just saying that men are always talking about women
0: being emotional. I'm going to keep this real short. But like Mm -hmm. we've watched AFCON seen men cry over football and other things. Like they have emotions and they can cry, but it's like there are only particular avenues where it's acceptable to to show emotion. Mm -hmm. But by and large, I definitely think that society plays a role in the friendships and the way that they build them and what they talk about and the conversations that they have. So yes, if you're a man and you would love to come dispel anything that we're saying or want to offer greater input, please, by all means, let us know. Yeah,
1: no misogynist allowed. Let's clarify that. But I wanted to get your thoughts on Valentine's Day. And if for listeners who are not familiar, so Valentine's of course, is a play on the word Valentine's and It is where the girlies come together and it could be on Valentine's Day or around the time where they have a little, you know, girl date. Right. And if you go and look on TikTok, you'll see like the girlies are already doing this. It's really, really cute. It could be like a brunch. It's usually something at somebody's house. So it's essentially women, you know, having a Valentine's Day celebration for their platonic Friendships. So I'm of two minds about it, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it first. I love romancing my friends <laughs> <So>
0: <laughs> i I truly do. I love giving women compliments. I love making women and my friends feel good. And so anything where I can celebrate, you know, our love for each other, because like I said, I don't feel like it gets it gets the love that it it deserves. I would do that. Now, Valentine's Day, I just hate it. I don't like Valentine's Day as it is in the U.S. Like, I mean, it'll be cute. There's a lot of red stuff and hearts to go around. Mm -hmm. But I I do like the idea of taking time to appreciate your friends. Like many years ago, when I had some friends, and I was like very thankful that I had these friends and they'd been with me through, you know, some things. So I had a whole friendship appreciation weekend where we like got a hotel. Went to we had a photo shoot, we got a hotel, we oh. went to dinner. It was like so fancy. I mean, the friendship crumbles soon after, but in that moment, it was very cute. And it was just me saying, I'm thankful for you know to you guys for being my friends and for us leaning on each other and being there for one another.
1: Was it like around Valentine's Day or no? No, it was not. Mm. So I agree with you about hating Valentine's Day because of the commercialization, right? And Valentine's Day is is just the same thing right just not in a romantic way so it plays into the commercialization which i don't like that this kind of consumerist you know society but i agree with you that i do love to see when especially women and i wish men would do it too like get together to appreciate your friends but if we think about the idea of decentering romantic relationships right i feel like the idea of galentines came up because it's it's like single women who wanted to have something to do on or around that date and that's where it rubs me the wrong way because it's okay if Valentine's day is a day for lovers right if you're if you don't have a lover or you and your lover are just not celebrating treat it like a normal day i think you place more importance on it when you have to find an alternative to do and that is what kind of makes me feel icky about Valentine's day but i'm not gonna lie like i love to see the girlies like celebrating like they have so many cute ideas it's so cute
0: or you could just you know plan your reproduction i have a child on valentine's day and you never have to celebrate for 18 years (laughs)
1: lord okay so making friends as adults listen Uh, This is a thing that people struggle with to the point where I've seen friendship coaches on social media. No, I'm not even being funny. Like, just like we have dating coaches, there are friendship coaches who give people advice on how to make friends as adults. And from what I've listened to them saying, they're, they're giving really useful, good advice, but it speaks to the fact that a lot of people, once you leave college, especially, you struggle to make friends as as an adult like why do you why do you think that is are the coaches charging fees of course not. Uh.
0: so adult friendships and I I I I had tweeted a few months back that I spent a lot of time talking about friendship than actually doing friendship (laughs) (laughs) I read a lot of things about friendship for many reasons we'll probably get to them but I think, like, to your point, like, why do people struggle making new friends, especially like in midlife and like outside of school? In school, it's easy. You have time, right? Friendship, it's, it's you having things in common with somebody. You learn each other. Then you become vulnerable and you start sharing things. But there's time to do this. There's, there's ample time in your early adult life where you have time to sit there and, you know, yap and do all these things with your friends. Where when you get out of school and out of work, I don't make friends with people I work with, by the way. But it's, when you get to like middle at middle life, like, okay, if you're not making friends at work, it's like where do you make friends? And I've asked this question as somebody who moved right before the pandemic to a new city. I did not know anybody, still don't really know anybody. And still trying to figure out how to make friends. I've asked this question several times, like, so how are we making friends these days? And I don't know how people did it. It's like, we are so connected today, but we're also so very lonely mm-hmm. because there's so many, like people have suggested going to, on Meetup. There's Bumble BFF, where you, you know, make friends. There are all these apps and platforms and Facebook groups. I don't tried all of them. Still, they made no friends. During COVID, one of like my favorite, well, a romance author, I follow Jasmine Guillory. I don't even know what she was talking about. And somebody commented on like, maybe people who read her books could meet up. And I went to brunch, a bunch of ladies from her comments section where people are like writing their cities and like, oh, I'm here too. And then we had a group chat and then we met up and we went to brunch, which was fun. And then it didn't happen again. I don't think it happened again. Or maybe I lost the account I was using. But <laughs> it's hard. Like you go to brunch, you need to, like you have to build on it and people just don't have time. People are busy with families, with work, school, people are going to school. So the time that it takes to build friendship, nobody really has. And then in the little time that we have while well, we're freaking out about having no time, we're scrolling on TikTok. We mm-hmm. are doing other things where you have to be intentional. I know somebody who said she joined a running club and because they go running every day, you get to meet this person, you're sharing bits about the day. And in that time, You're bonding over that shared thing. So in middle age, you you don't, I don't think that you happen onto friends as much as you intentionally work on making friends.
1: I agree. And what you said about intentionality is what I've heard these friendship coaches saying, right? You have to be intentional. And what another thing they said, which makes a lot of sense, is like, do the things that you enjoy, and you will meet other people who are doing that thing you brought up the running club and it reminded me of what alexa said when she came to talk on our fitness episode she gave the example of the women who i think it was a dance class right who if somebody doesn't show up for one class like yeah they're they're texting you to ask like where are you so i think those are good avenues you know if you're into fitness if you're into like some kind of hobby I've heard testimonials from people, you know, social media talking about this, like, it's very awkward. You go out and you're doing something alone, whether that is going to, you know, a bar, a bookstore, some other hobby or craft place alone, but you're going to end up meeting people. As somebody who has traveled alone and travels alone, I can testify to that. Like I've met people on my trips who are other solo travelers. And it's not to say that you're going to end up being the best of friends with these people, but. You've made an acquaintance, right? And some of those acquaintances are gonna turn into longer-lasting friendships. So, to your point, you have to be intentional, right? Like when you go to the first brunch, if you, you know, you had a good time, or maybe there's one person that you connected with, and then you keep texting them. But it is difficult as an adult because you're like, "Oh, well, am I? Am I? I yeah, begging? Am I begging? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: I'm begging for friendship. It's uh, it's it's hard." Me being the person who moved to a new city, that's something that is always on my mind because I want to keep going. Like, I, to me, I'm being intentional, right? About building a relationship. So I want to keep mm-hmm. texting like, hey, how are you doing? But I always remind myself like, look, you're the new girl here. This, we already have their friends. They are looking for more friends. You're no, the person. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Don't say that. No, but I'm
0: just, not, not, I'm just saying in general, right? Some of, most people, like they're here, they have some friend groups. I'm the person who is seeking for it more. So it tends to make me be more measured in. I don't want to come off, I want say overbearing or too strong. Another avenue that helps people that I've heard, some people is church. And I said like, church is good for some things. Mm. I, I, know, I know people who moved, they moved to the U.S. a few years ago. They've lived in two different states now. And sometimes when they talk about their assimilation, I'm like, damn, maybe I'll go to church. Because every time <laughs> every time they've gone to a new city, it's been church members helping them find stuff, school, grocery stores. Since you just got here and you have all of these things, if you have a parent or a nieces and you're like the one doing after school, a good way to meet this parent because then you have the kids in common and you're spending a lot of time and you sort of like bond over your children and what is going on, then. That's another way, but I think it is yeah. being intentional and finding people that you have things, things in common with. I do want to say that you also be kind to your friends because sometimes, right? Like you came up with your friends, somebody goes off, they get married first, they start having kids, and you assume that because they have kids, they don't have time for you. When they're struggling, they're maybe they're home with their kid one month, two months, they're going crazy and they just want a friend to sit there. But you're thinking, oh, they have a child now, so maybe they are from Mars. Mm. (laughs) And so it's it's like being able to talk through your friends and meeting them where they are every time. Like, yes, maybe this was your turn up friend and they can't turn up anymore. But instead of going to the club, you can go to brunch and take the baby. You can go for a walk in the park with your friend or a picnic
1: and find ways that you guys meet each other halfway. Agreed. But to your point about feeling like everybody has their friendship groups. I I don't know. I don't feel that way because I'm in Houston, right? I have like my different friend groups, but if somebody, if I met somebody new and they were like texting me and we had stuff in common, I'm never going to be like, Oh no, no new friends. I have, you know, listen, I'm always open. and down as long as we have stuff in common and it takes, I'm not gonna lie it takes a little bit of courage to put yourself out there but you know it's kind of like dating right you you feel like you're being a big, am I coming on too strong okay but maybe you explore and the you know the person really doesn't have capacity for you they don't have time and that's okay you move on to the next one like not not everything's gonna be a fit
0: for a few people I have just accepted like I'm not doing the hey you know I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing today? Then we can plan something, not being very vague. So I guess that's intentionality. I've also shot my shots in somebody's Twitter DMs for friendship. But then after sending two messages, I don't remember what happened, but I didn't pursue it again. Like I said, I've tried,
1: when friendship comes, I've tried the science and practice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I think to a point also, like you have to be okay with, just having acquaintances. And like I said, some of those acquaintances will will develop. Like I've made a lot of acquaintances just doing what I love, which is going out to party. Like this time when I was in Cameroon for my friend's wedding, we were in like a big group of, I guess, like Ashwabi girls. And there were girls in there that I had never met before. After the wedding, everybody was talking like, oh yeah, we're going to go out, we're going to go out. Of course, everybody flaked. But this one girl, again, I never knew her before this, before we were added to that group chat. I never even had an exchange with her in the group chat. But that night she was out and she put in the group chat like, hey, I'm out. Does anybody want to come? A Part of me was like, my friends had already said that they're, they're going to bed, the people I would normally be going out with. But I was like, you know what? Enjoyment over everything. And I went out. And I met up with her and I had a blast. Like, I'm so glad, like, I didn't let my inhibitions hold me back because she's a really cool person, you know? So I think it's small things like that where you kind of have to push yourself and you think, okay, if I go out and I don't have a good time, uh, will I not just come back home? What was the worst that could happen? It was Dwala at that time. So the moral of the story is enjoyment or everything. <laughs> okay, so I've talked about making friends, right? Maintaining friends now, as you said, platonic friendships are in many ways underrated. We don't have the same, we, we don't put the same priority, right? Because when people are dating, married or in other romantic relationships, like you hear a lot of talk about or make the effort to go out on dates, to do things with each other. Romantic relationships are very much celebrated. You celebrate your anniversary. You celebrate Valentine's Day. You celebrate all of these things. We don't have the equivalent for friendships.
0: Which is very well because I I read a thing somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But it said like we don't give friendship enough credit because it's the one relationship in life where you wake up every day and you choose this person to be your friend. Not because of blood ties. Not because your feelings or the law. You're married. You're in love. You just choose this person every day like they're my friend. Because for whatever reason... And every day you're choosing them. yet yeah, it's, it's, it always feels like it's trivialized in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah. And as an adult, right, I think, well, for me, because I like to, you know, go on trips and do certain things, I end up doing a lot of those things with my friends. But in general, again, to your point, that's not something that we, we prioritize. And one thing I want to do this year is intentionally track my friend dates, right? Like if I haven't seen you in a month, like I want to be intentional. Okay, we have to see each other at least once a month, at least, you know, depending on where we live and all of that. There are friends who, we work for the same company. So I'm gonna, it's easy for me to have lunch with you once a week. But yeah, so I was thinking about that. Like I want to be intentional, put something on the calendar or a reminder, like, okay, hey, I haven't talked to this person in this amount of time. I haven't seen this person in this amount of time because people do that for their romantic relationships. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also, since I like to be morbid, (laughs) (laughs) it's not that I like to be. I just, I I lost a friend, okay, two, but one, one person I remember thinking, hey, I was like, "Ah, let me check. It's been a while. I haven't heard from him. I said, let me check in. And I said, oh, I'm the one who's always checking in. And then, reader or listener, I was not the last person who messaged he passed away that night in a different city, different state but it's just like the premonition of I thought about him and I did not so to so your point like saying checking like their friends because adulthood there's so much stuff that just happens you're gonna realize it's been six months you haven't talked to this person and then boom you know stuff can ha- life can happen in, in a heartbeat so definitely making it like there are not all friendships are the same you know mm-hmm. we're going to get into that but the people that matter to you I think what I always tell myself, I think about people. I would text them because I ask, I ask myself, like, mm, if something happens, then would I be okay? <laughs> so if I feel like I'll be distraught, I'll be like, hey, I just thought about you, and that's it. Because oftentimes it's like you think about somebody and you think you're going to sit here and draft this five-page, you know, letter and tell them all the things that I've missed since then, but it doesn't happen. Like sometimes it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, I was thinking about you, and maybe they'll call and you guys will catch up for thirty minutes, whatever time that you can afford. But that's part of like that intention. I like, when when you think about somebody, just reach out.
1: Mm-hmm. And doing hobbies or other activities together, right? I, I guess if you met the person, for example, like at a gym class or something, then you have that already that you're doing together. But I think it's important, you know, to not just this, my friend that we, you know, talk on the phone with or we party, find new things to do together. So Do you have those moments where you realize, like, oh man, this person is this this person is really my friend? I had a moment like that last year. So this was in November, and I had seen something on Instagram about a protest in Austin, a pro-Palestinian protest. It was in November, so like a month after Israel had started bombing Gaza. And I was like, man, I want to go to this because I missed the one that they had in Houston. Like, but I don't want to drive to Austin by myself. So I texted my friends that we have a small group chat together. And I just texted, there's a protest. It it was short notice. I'm like, there's a protest tomorrow in Austin. Like, it's really short notice, but do you guys want to come with me? And the moment I had that realization, like, these are really my friends, because first of all, they knew exactly, they knew the situation I was talking about, right? We had never discussed the Gaza situation. This was only a month in, remember. I had not had a conversation with them about Israel-Palestine conflict. They did not know my stance. We well, have never had a conversation, but they knew that protest that I was talking about, not the specific one, but they knew that it was a protest about this situation. And they knew that I was it was a pro-Palestinian protest. You know what I mean? Like they already knew my stance. I, I don't know if I'm making a big deal out of it, but I was like, after after I realized that I had not told them what protest it was. And I was like, oh, shit, they have already answered. Some people say, yes, they can go. Can I bring my sister? Some people say, oh, sorry, I have plans. And then I realized, like, I'm not even told these people what what it is, but they
0: already knew. I mean, those are the big little things where sometimes you send your friend a message. I do a thing where I'm thinking and all of the words in my head don't make it to my communication. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can fill in the gaps, then yes, you're my friend. I think something that my friend did for me once, I was breaking down, again, overwhelmed, Central, I was having a breakdown about something, and this girl impersonated me to EAP. Like, basically, we are on the phone. It was a three-way. I was on the phone. I was listening. I didn't give her any answers, and she could impersonate me and answer questions in a way that I would answer. I was very impressed.
1: I'll tell the listeners what EAP is, just in case. Employee we... Assistance Program. Program. But basically, companies
0: offer, offer the employees some... In this case, it was like therapy. So they offer you like a couple sessions for free. They'll cover it because they want to make sure you're healthy and strong enough to keep making them money. Not <laughs> even about your own. But yeah, so my friend impersonated me to these people to try to find me a therapist while I was crying on mute. She was answering all the questions about me. <laughs> so yeah, I it, love it. That, that That is like one of my, you know, love is impersonating your friend to to be happy.
1: Oh, I have to, I have to share this one. And I know that my friends go listen, listen to this episode, but again, this wedding that I was just at, right? We had the church service. It was in the afternoon in Tuala. It's like 95 degrees. You know, the Catholic church I'm talking about, right? The one in Aqua. It's a cathedral, it's like- the cathedral. It it has no AC. So excuse me, please, please, please pause. Is there a church in Cameroon with AC? I'm asking. Do I don't know. know. I don't go to church. So
0: there, because it there's no AC. I never been to no church in Cameroon with an air conditioner.
1: I'm now. trying to paint, I'm trying to paint the picture. It's 95 degrees with humidity. Yes, right? high ceilings so, and <laughs>
0: ceiling fans and windows for cross ventilation.
1: So we're uh, we have to leave the church and go right to the reception. Those are the instructions that, you know, the planner has given us. And we, the Ashwabi girls, we had to change. Those of us who had not dressed in our Ashwabi for church, we had to change at church. So <laughs> it's hot. I have my dress, you know, in the bag and I've gone to, it's like the priest's office, you know, to go out and like struggle to change. And my dress, the back, it was like a lace-up corset. It was really like difficult to put on. And then the fabric, have you ever tried to wear something tight when you're sweating? I've gone, I've gone to that father's office. I am struggling, struggling, sweating. And at some point, like I gave up, right? I put on my other dress back. I was like, I'm going to go to my hotel and, you know, there's AC there and I can change in comfort. I was like, I was so frustrated. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm cursing Cameroon, all of this. So I go outside and my, my friends are waiting. I'm, one of my friends is like, what happened? I'm like, nah, I'm like, I cannot. Like, I'm going to my hotel. Like, I cannot deal with that. I was, I was so frustrated. <laughs> she was like, no, and I'm going to come. I'll help you. We go to that, you know, little father's room. I sweat. Of course, like now i have taking off my clothes. Like I'm naked, sweating, only in my underwear, which is like very oh my god and my friend she squeezed my butts into this dress like I, I i cannot describe what was happening but in that moment and i told her never was like this is how i know that you're my friend because i was just i felt so bad that she was having to like touch my body like we were both hot again it's 95 degrees humidity no ac no fan in that office and it was that thing that she did for me, like I'll never forget, like she helped me get into my dress and I felt so gross. Imagine how gross you feel when like you're sweating and somebody else is there like touching your fat and all of your sweat and pushing your lumps into Ma'am. a dress. It was like, like it touched me. It touched me. But yeah, I I had to give that, that honorable mention. <laughs>
0: I think that that's something, one of the beauty of friendship is sometimes it's not even big things. It's usually just the smallest things that make such a huge difference. Like somebody could just be doing what they think is like, oh, that, you know, normal. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, it would be the biggest thing that you didn't even know that you needed. Right?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's, mm like I, I cannot describe the scene. Like my butt was in her face. Okay, like sweaty. Like you guys. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, she did it. She ain't complained. So
1: oh, I appreciate her service. I, I, I don't know. Like the Now I'm thinking. Like would I have done the same? Now I'm gonna have to. <laughs> so you mentioned male friendships earlier, right? But. Male-female friendship. So there are people who say that men and women, of course, they're talking about heterosexual people in this case, right? That men and women cannot be friends because ultimately somebody is going to catch feelings. Or the more sinister one is that they say, like, the, the man is not really a friend. He's basically trying to sleep with you. Like, the entire friendship, he's just waiting for the opportunity to sleep with you, which... You'll never hear me defending a man, but I think that is a bit of a reductive take. I, I don't think it's always that way. I, I don't think so. I don't think all, you know, men are trying yeah. to sleep with their their female. I don't think that's the case.
0: I, I don't think so. One of my one of my really good friends, <laughs> and we've been friends for over 20 years now, is a guy. And not that I can date him currently, but even when I was just so repulsed at the idea. Not just because of him, but also because his dating
1: stories. I'm just like, are yeah, chest out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but wait, let me ask you though. And I'm not asking you with this friend in particular, because we don't know if he'll be listening, but... He better would, listen. Like, would you say the same about somebody that you are attracted to? Like, Is it easier to be friends with somebody that you don't find attractive? Att- I we've never
0: made it to where I'm looking at him like he's attractive we've been friends since I was seven or so where we did evening classes together like after school for those who are not Camerania, after school lessons mm-hmm. we're both catholic so we went to doctrine together so there was like a year or two of our lives when we saw each other every single day mm-hmm. not just in school after school we did a lot of things together and then after that I did not see him for almost like 10 years, we lost touch because they moved to Boya and then we went to board, different boarding schools and he came to America. So right before I came to the U.S., he came to Cameroon, and he called and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going, you know, I'm coming to the U.S. And from the time I got here, we've been pretty much, I was an insuburban that we've talked on the phone a lot in the time that I've been here. Um, we've never lived in the same state where we're like hanging out physically, but we've been on the phone a lot since I've been here. But I've never looked at him like, mm. we've never, mm. it, like, other than that one time when we went to Doctrine and he I, we had to take a shower and his uncle starts and so he tried to peep on me when I was taking a shower. Like, little perverts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's never, he's giving very much, like, brother. Like, I've never made it so far to even look, I'm just now, as you can see from my face, I'm revolted at the thoughts of even like, mm. No.
1: This particular one, no. Well, I think that concept that, oh, men and women cannot be friends, it stems from this idea that we prioritize romantic relationships so much, right? Like we put it on this pedestal. That's why we cannot, you know, it's hard for some people to imagine that because, you know, our whole lives are centered around, you know, romantic connection. Yeah, I think men and I think that, you know, male, female friendships are, you know, possible people have them, obviously. But we were talking earlier about the capacity for men to have deep relationships. I don't know that I could have a deep friendship with a man the way that I have, you know.
0: Yeah, even at that, like we're friends, even at that. But I would still say this is probably one of my longest running friendships. However, intensity and length. um, Mm -hmm. Don't get your look. This is if you're listening, don't get your feelings. But there is. Yeah, there's something about my female friendships and the ways that I can be vulnerable my female friends that I don't know if I'm as
1: vulnerable with my male friend. friends, mm-hmm. And and vice versa, right? And they being vulnerable with you.
0: Oh no, they will. They will be vulnerable. Who are they going to be vulnerable with if it's not your <laughs> female friend? Something that they could just share with their friend who might have experienced a similar situation, but somehow they will look to their female friends for the emotional label.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's true. To your point, the same emotional labor that they offload to their romantic partners, right? Because they cannot show up to another man in the same way that they show up to a woman, because they are performing masculinity in front of their their male friends. Understand? Because I've known of situations where, like, I know your friends, I know who you're, I know who you're
0: dating, and you're the things that. You're telling your romantic partner, and I'm just asking your friends, like, so how is this person doing? Trying to understand. And it's like, you've never shared any of these things. So, how, why do you feel comfortable sharing with this person you just met?
1: <laughs> I just thought of something. A lot of men bond over gossip, they be gossiping,
0: of course, <laughs> especially the ones who went to boarding school. Okay. They've gossiping. It's one of their favorite things to do. Don't let but you know what you. is funny? Which I also think that the, the men who went to boarding school do have some sort hmm. of one-up in that they spend so much time in school that I think at some point they do. Ha- they are vulnerable in each, with each other in a way that people who did not spend as much time with each other would not have. Like you have seen them in all their states, right? Like they've grown up together. Mm-hmm. They've seen each other in every state. So they do share some kind of vulnerability. I mean, as much as they gossip, they also, I think that they do have the capacity for vulnerability.
1: I'm inclined to agree with you because when I think of the male friendships that I consider to be close and have some depth, there are people who at some point were in boarding school together. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I also want to say that
0: in male and female relationships, it's usually, usually the men who spoil it. Usually. They're the ones that want to come and say, but I've always liked you. stop that nonsense or want to crack jokes like, but, but, you know, come, come, let's do this. Nobody has to find out. Like once you say that to me, red flag, it's like, yeah, we're cool, but am I going to get drunk with you? No.
1: See, and then, yeah, let's talk about this though. Making new friends, right? The way that, and I was, I was just saying earlier how I'm so open to making new friends. Like if somebody's texting me, I'll be receptive. That does not apply to men. Because I cannot know what your intentions are, you know what I mean. So it's rather unfortunate. And to your point, I've had people that I thought were my friends who spoiled the thing because they want to come and start talking about I've always been attracted to or are you okay, you're mad if you don't get out? So yeah, to your point about making new friends, yeah, I'm not as I'm not open to to you know forming new connections uh-huh. with men. I it's
0: mine is stranger danger i cannot i don't think i've ever made friends with a random man like a man that nobody that i know knows i don't even think i have the capacity for that i need us to have like you need like two referrals i need like five people who know you Two people can vouch for who you are so you know, that's valid
1: That that's <laughs> valid because we you know as as women, we have to think about our safety when we're interacting with men. And you know what the fucked up part is, what you just said? There's stranger danger, right? But if you look at the data, women who are assaulted, whether it's physical or sexual assault, is more likely somebody that you know. So you're not even safe from the ones that you know, which is a sobering thought. But yeah, to your point, not not even just, you know, somebody being creepy, but you have to think about your safety when you're you're making new, you know, connections with men. It's rather unfortunate. I, I don't do
0: it. I don't think that I've ever like met a man at a club or somewhere and we became <laughs> friends. not I don't I don't think I ever have.
1: I'm it's always, always through somebody, right? It has to yeah. be
0: like if I meet you, it could be at a party or somewhere, but I have to know like so who do you know? How you get here? Who brought you here? <laughs> I just need to know that if I'm talking to you and I disappear, somebody knows your house because <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. So a question that you had asked before we started recording. Is what do you do when you cannot show up for your friends in the way that they want or need? And you gave an example which I'll ask you to say again, but I thought of something. So I had I have a friend who had was you know, had her group of close friends and she fell out with them. And there was a point where and I really empathized with her during this their friendship breakup, but I I felt like She was looking for me to fill that role. You had a rebound. And I did not want to be that. And it really, I had to kind of behave in a way that was not maybe cold, but kind of distance myself to give that message that I'm not looking to fill that role for reasons which, you know, I'm not, it's not like I was just being a bitch, but there were reasons why I, I would not want to be very close to this person. But yeah, so that's, that's something that I thought of when I, you know, said this question out loud again. Like, I cannot show up for you in a way that I recognize that you need me to show up. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you do? Ghost them? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you just set that boundary. You have that's, to set that that's,
0: boundary. That's that's my little toxic persona. But yeah, sometimes you're afraid. you have friends who they they want things from you, and I think it's good to be self aware to know what you can commit to and what you cannot commit to. And the example that I gave was I, I had a relationship where I felt like the friend in question wanted something of a more what I viewed as a parental relationship where I just wanted to be their friend. And so I, but we never had a conversation like we did have a fallout, but I never tried to rekindle or have any conversation because to me it was like, well, if we're having a fallout, that's that works out because I really did not think that I could be the friend that this person wanted. I don't hmm. know their, ver- their version of events, but I never tried to make any amends after that.
1: Hmm. We're going to talk about friendship breakup. And I, I want to talk about a point that you just made, which is not having that breakup conversation. But before we jump to that, I want to talk about siblings as friends. So <laughs> I'm very close to my sisters. Like they're there are people that I would do the same things that I do with my friends, well, some of them are not interested in certain of the activities like clubbing. (laughs) But, you know, it's not because like we don't get along. It's just like they're not interested in that. But there's something that we all share in common. Like one time I was sitting down to think about my favorite people to travel with. Because you know how there are people who you might not necessarily enjoy traveling with, maybe because they're super picky or for whatever other reason. But when I was thinking about my friends, like, Oh, you know, I really love traveling with this person. This person is a good travel buddy. Oh, my sisters were on that list. So we really get along. And it took me a while into adulthood, maybe I was just naive, to observe siblings that don't like each other. I was a little bit like taken aback to, to hear people say, like, yeah, I've not talked to this person in two years, so I don't speak to this person. It kind of, and again, it was coming from a naive place, right? But it was a little bit, I was shocked, but now I realize that there are certain, there are many, many reasons why that could be the case. I think that one of the things you did now put (laughs) on here
0: is, especially as immigrants, in bad governance, and I'm going to make it the point, right? If we consider sometimes there are age gaps between siblings, right? Some siblings, Mm -hmm. five, six years. You have Mm -hmm. siblings who, by and large, I hope they're okay. My siblings, they have a nine-year age gap, right? So by the time one person was going to nursery school, the other one was going to boarding school. And we know that from boarding school, we don't necessarily come back home. Like, you come on vacations, but once you're done, then my sister moved to the U.S. and my brother was, like, in primary school. They've never lived, they have never lived in the same house, Mm -hmm. essentially. And... So now as an adult, they're looking at each other as like two strangers who have to take time to get to know each other, which is what they've had to do. And they've been intentional about getting to know each other because they're strangers of sorts. They never really lived in the house together. Mm -hmm. And that happens in a lot of, of homes, immigrant homes. Maybe one child was the one who got to go abroad and the other one stayed together. So they don't know this person or siblings going to a different country and paper documents, you know, not being, not having the right documentation. And it's been 20 years before they could go home. And so it's like, well, now we have FaceTime and other things to keep in touch. But I think that immigration is actually something that affects siblings, some sibling relationships.
1: So I understand what you're saying. But when I was so I'll give the, some of the reasons that I wrote down, but I was thinking about like actively, like active dislike. What you're describing is people who simply don't know each other. I'm talking about people who do not get along. So their blood, their blood doesn't go together. <laughs> like
0: different personalities, right? Yes. Different personalities. I've seen it sometimes with kids where, and I'm not making, but it's just watching sibling dynamics at, as kids, where I think that when we were also growing up, there could have been differences, but. You have people say, well, I want my children to be best friends without teaching your children to learn each other. Mm-hmm. Where there's one child who just wants their space <laughs> and wants to do things a certain way. And if there's another child who doesn't respect the other sibling's boundaries, then they're constantly, you know, bucking, bucking heads and fighting where one person moves their house like, oh, good riddance, I don't have to deal with this person. It's like in French, also, you're not getting to know the person for who they are, and I hate it because is this assumption that because you're siblings, you have to know each other, and I think that's actually what brings up some of this friction. But because if you're the older one, and you're complaining about that you're annoying, and you're like
1: the older, but it's your brother, but it's your brother, but they're annoying, right? But I feel like sibling rivalry is normal, right? In our house, growing up, we were fighting a lot, we were oh, that's- arguing. That's normal, but when we Came to adulthood, like, now we get along swell. So I feel like what well, you're describing is normal. Like, not liking each other as children. Similar, like, you people are in each other's space, especially if you're sharing rooms, having me doubts, all of these things. The other person's presence is like an irritant in your life most times. But I feel like you grow out of that. So I'm still... It's really curious to me, siblings who are adults and like genuinely don't like each other, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever, family gathering, damn, we're going to see each other and it's an issue.
0: No, I think there might be unique circumstances. It'd be interesting to have people share the reasons Mm -hmm. why, why they do. But I I think that it's just, it could be like dynamics, the one, because you know, a lot of these last children, I remember crying (laughs) because. I had 6 p.m. curfew for a very long time. And my brother, who was considerably younger than me, broke his curfew one day and I snitched with so much glee because I knew it was de- like it was over. My dad said, Oh, where's your brother? I was like I was just opening my eyes. I saw him walking out the gates. I've not seen him <laughs> since so much. I knew it was over for him. When he came back, I'm like, Oh, daddy knows you've been gone since morning. And I was following, you know, like as you're following to go see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And my father said, got your back like what do you mean by your back this is this what Where, where's all that energy for have for me i went to my room and cried i was telling my aunt like i cannot believe this if it
1: was me oh my goodness i mean that's yeah but that ends. does not impact your relationship today as adults i do think that parents parenting and the parents can drive jealousy and Some division but i think what you're describing is normal right like when we were growing up you do not have a choice of food. You ate what was on your plate. My younger sister, let me tell you, this babe said she'll not eat tomatoes. They say, okay. she Whenever they cook something with tomatoes, she either eats, you know, a different thing or this babe said she does not like to see green things in her in her jello fries. Uh, that is the bell peppers, the green, all of those green small green things. So little things like that, it's like what you're describing, but right? That's
0: what it's, I'm saying, right? For some people, I feel like it's these little things. And then one argument one day is the straw that broke the camel's back because they're they're
1: resentful. To this day, that's something that we laugh about now. It's you. You might find it when the other person does not. You need to go to therapy if you're still holding on to that kind of stuff. Really? Imagine me being resentful of my younger sister because she got to say that she doesn't want to eat tomatoes.
0: See, excuse, like it happens in different extremes. Mm. Like some people, like it happened in different extremes or where it affected people in different ways. And I don't want to. As the de facto middle child and defender of all middle children, there are ways that these things that might seem like minute could affect people. I, I remember going on and on one day until my grandmother had to come and beg me because I said, all they've done in my whole life is hand-me-downs, so nobody cares about me look on the wall, look at everybody's baby pictures. I don't have a baby book. I don't, I don't, I don't. And I feel like you start from that and everything you're nitpicking, but you spend your whole life resenting people. Like you could be saying it and everybody's kicking, but you're building true resentment because you really feel like you were not treated fairly.
1: And so- I'm telling you. I understand, understand, right? Let me give another example. I I think it's important that people have different perspectives. So while we were growing up, apart from the preferential treatment that the youngest was getting, <laughs> I knew that my oldest sister was my mom's favorite. And like, I, listen, I'm a middle child like you. That shit, it bothered me growing up. I I, I was like, God, oh, there's so much favoritism. And then I had my own issues, you know, like body image issue. Everything was doing me. So I really, the fact that I, I thought that my mom was favoring our oldest, It really impacted me. But as an adult where I developed my own relationship with my mom, that's something now that I look back and I recognize that it impacted me, but I have no resentment towards my sister or my mom. And you know what's funny? When I was still on Twitter, when I quote tweeted or responded to a tweet where I said this, right, I said, oh, you know, favorites. I said that I thought my oldest sister was my mom's favorite and then my youngest was both the, our youngest was like both of our parents' favorite. And you know what my youngest sister today back? She was like, what? I always thought you were daddy's favorite. She thought that I was our dad's favorite. She, she said like, I forgot the reasoning that she gave because I used to always do so well in school and he used to call me Einstein or something like that. So she was there thinking that I was our dad's favorite. And I'm here looking at the two of them, the oldest and youngest, and thinking that they are the favorites. So perception matters
0: that you talk about some people have never talked about it they've just held on to their resentment and it is what it is and that's how they're proceeding in life you might not be able to see it and I don't really because you just said that as a de facto middle child who likes your mind for all the things I did not get my siblings would swear that I am my father's favorite (laughs) I cannot agree or deny don't know but they will swear that I'm my father's favorite but like I said, favorite also goes in different ways. Like there's favorite where if you were in trouble, you send a favorite child to go plead your case. And there's favorite where this you see this person getting everything to the point of like, even if they had to pick who was going to, like money was not enough. And like one person could go to this good school or this thing. It's always that person. You can grow up resenting. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen it where I told somebody and I asked one day, I asked that, do your siblings resent you? Because when they're sharing things that they're doing, it feels like they're doing everything for everybody's benefit, But people are always like quick to throw, oh, I don't want to take something for you because you remind me or I don't. And it always
1: feels like all the other siblings are ganging up on this one person, no matter what Mm. they do. One thing that I noticed when I was working, when I was a banker, money Issues between family members—it gets so vicious. That was another kind of sobering or shocking realization for me to witness siblings fighting over money, like in cases where you know the parent has passed away and they're trying to divide the estate. It gets so nasty, and I used to sit and think to myself, "Were these people close before?" And this That's money nice. issue is driving them, or and it really made me, man. I was like. I hope this kind of thing never happens between my siblings and I, because I'm like, how it was where they could not be in the branch together at the same time. I will
0: give you an example of siblings where everything was, it seemed fine. And then their parents died and all hell broke loose. And their parent who had property, the person who was like heir to the estates, decided to start telling the siblings you have to pay rent. One sibling was dying and somebody called like, hey, your sibling is dying. Can you come? And the other one came and brought a letter to sign to say that they would pay rent or they would did something like the sibling <laughs> was dying. But when their parent was alive, you would not, it, at least it did not seem like there was mm-hmm. anything. But in hindsight, that was literally the glue that was holding together. If they had problems, it wasn't obvious. But mm-hmm. once, once this person died, yeah, all hell broke loose. So you asked whether they were just tolerating each other.
1: I, I really wondered that though, because I I know money is a very powerful influence on relationships, but I'm like, were you like really close? And then it came to money and just everything Chakara or was it kind of to your point where they just tolerating each other anyway? So friendship breakup. Right. We talked about the difference between romantic and platonic relationships. And one glaring difference when we talk about relationships ending is that in a romantic relationship, there is a set point that the relationship ends. And often you have some kind of talk, like two people acknowledge that they are breaking up. But in friendships, from my experience, that rarely ever happens. It kind of just, I'll speak for myself, quiet quitting. Quite quitting the, the friendship. I'm guilty of that instead of having a talk.
0: In, in my friendship breakups, I've had talks, but it was not a breakup talk. But it was, there's a the problem, let's address it. Mm. But then it's like, it's still, so it's like, I'm aware of like what caused it. Mm. But it was no, it's not you, it's me. But there were mm. talks leading into like, hey, this thing that is happening, let's talk about it. But then it was, so it was a mixture of, let's talk about it, but also like, it's over. I mean there've been some have been more notable than others. I think I quite I recently quite quit a friendship. And it's because it took me time to process the conversation that did happen where I talked to somebody a, a friend to say hey like these are the things that have happened that I've observed and I'm not pointing fingers at you because I didn't talk to you about it so there's no way you know how I was feeling but mm-hmm. I just thought that I should let you know that now that I've processed and I've worked through Unfortunately, the response I got every time I've thought about it, like if I was here, if I was at a one, I think I'm somewhere around a hundred now in annoyance (laughs) or just whatever I feel about it. Because for me to tell somebody that, hey, you know, I didn't think that you were pressed, you showed up for me. And I'm asking like, you know, I've always showed up for you, but you didn't even try. Mm -hmm. And for this person to respond and say, but I looked you up on LinkedIn. Pardon? I think I was thrown off in that moment, and I I responded like, but I don't even share anything on LinkedIn. So what were you what were you looking for on there? But it's just like if you were friends with me, you we have mutual friends. You know my partner. You've come to our house. Text at least LinkedIn, bruh. <laughs> so I think that one I quite quit because. Mm. I never went back because I just feel like I'm going to be a you little know, frustrated. I
1: don't want to go and let <laughs> them get something else. It's tight. But you yeah. put it out there that there was an issue at least, right? Yes. Which yeah. a lot of times doesn't happen. I mean, the one friendship where I've had what I would consider would be a breakup conversation is the, the one that truly I would say like was a real heartbreak for me. And we talked about this offline but like there's small things that are leading up that you don't address and then when that one thing happens it's like okay this is it this is the straw and in this case this person would would always kind of forget about me like I'm always the one reaching out reaching out and in our friendship I had observed like that she was somebody who gave a lot of priority to, priority to the men that she was dating there was a point where she was dating this guy who I mean, he was just an absolute, like, I don't know. I don't know the adjective to use. Nightmare. Nightmare. Maybe. Like, that dude was, like, shitting on her up and down. But she would, it was like she would be, she would deny that they were in a relationship. And us, her friends, would always be trying to tell her, like, hey, get out of this thing. Like, you know, this isn't right. This isn't. And she would be insisting that, you know, it's not, it's it's not a formal relationship. So she doesn't have any rights to tell him what to do or not. Anyway. If she was in this relationship for such a long time, the thing has, you know, dragged her down. She got into a relationship with somebody and it was this kind of thing where she would get into a relationship and forget about, at least I cannot speak for other friends, but I felt like she would forget about me. Like I would always be the one reaching out, reaching out. And she finally found like a really good guy, which I was really happy for her. But again, it was the same thing where I was not, you know, I, I was not on her mind and she forgot my birthday. And that was, that was the thing. That was the thing that I said, nah. So she, she had messaged me, like, I don't know if it was weeks. It was probably weeks after. And I was like, you know what? It's, It's good. I'm done. Obviously you don't have time for me. And that was the breakup conversation. And I was like, I'm done. Like, it's obvious that you don't have time for this friendship. And a few months later, like she, her dad had come to visit and she was like, oh, look, I really miss you. My dad is asking about you. And I didn't reply and that was the most heartbreaking thing. I think I even cried because I knew her dad. And of course, like a part of me wanted to like just make up and like go see him and rekindle the friendship. But I was like, no, it's I cannot go back like I'm done. So that's the one where I actually had a conversation and it's breaks. It broke my heart and it still like hurts when I think about it. The rest I quite quit. So like. I first of all, I tell people that I'm
0: very friend insecure, but I also say that in my in my early 20s, I was very hardliner, like it was black and white. There was no room for error. Like mm-hmm. If you did something, I'm like done with you. Move on. And so people have made comments sometimes where I get I struggle with like holding on to friendships because I don't want to seem as that person that is always breaking up friendships. Mm-hmm. However, I've experienced I had a really traumatic friendship breakup <laughs> and I'm not, when I say that I'm not exaggerating, it was a major breakup. And if you consider how intertwined our lives, where we lived together, we have the same mutual friends. It was just a marriage. But again, because it's a platonic relationship, when the friendship breakup happened, there was nothing. And especially in the situation where I feel like I didn't get, I lost all the friends. It was just me, myself and I. And like, Thankfully, I made like two new friends recently. But in that moment, I had nobody and was just there. My friend last that we should, I should have been in therapy at that time. <laughs> it was waffling. And it took me a while to be able to even tell anybody like that I was crying or I would see something or have a memory and I just burst out crying because I felt foolish. Like in my mind is like, it's just a friend. But it's not just a friend, like we our uh-huh. lives were intertwined. Where to this day, people see me as like, how's your sister? And I think like my biological uh-huh. sister. And I always go, Oh, she's fine. I'm not, like, I hope she's fine, like to myself, because there's so many people who it's like, you see A, you see B. Like I said, it was like a uh-huh. married a married couple. Our lives were so intertwined. And the way that I cried for this friendship, I've never cried for a romantic relationship in that way, where it took me almost a whole decade before I could say, you know what, I'm okay. Like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, if I see this person and our my former mutual friends, I'm not triggered. I'm not going to burst out and cry. I can just see this person. I'm okay. But there were just certain things where I would have to reach out. Like once when she was bereaved and I had to reach out. And I literally had another friend where I put her on duty to say, make sure you remind me to keep it like simple. Don't go doing Mm -hmm. too much. Don't try to over remember where you are. Remember your role here and don't do. And that's Mm -hmm. what my friend was responsible for doing in that moment. But like I said, 10 years over a friendship which I'm so thankful that I don't feel ashamed to say this out loud anymore. Why? Why would you feel ashamed? How am I supposed to tell somebody that is my friend and just saw my former friend hanging out, and
1: that's why I'm crying? But if you had seen an ex and you were crying, it, people would be understanding. That's what understand. I'm saying that's the point, right? <laughs> <People> <laughs> that's the point understand. of this episode.
0: <laughs> people would be understanding. Like it took me talking to a psychologist about the friendship. And that's what I said. Like sometimes saying things out loud, and being able to process where I did go back to have a conversation and say, I understand that these are some of the things because there's one pivotal moment where it's like, this is where the shot, the glass kind of shattered,
1: but there Mm -hmm. were cracks.
0: There were cracks before we got to that point. And I was able to say, Hey, these are the things that I believe that I did. What do you think that you did, you know, to get us Mm -hmm. to this point? But I think that after talking to the psychologist that I referred to, Dr. Marisa Franco, and having her, like, she was doing research for a book on platonic relationships, and I volunteered to talk to her. But after talking to her, I think that that's what sort of finally got me, like, being able to say it out loud a few times probably Mm -hmm. got me to a much better place.
1: Yeah, and to your point, like, there's not the same support for friendship breakups. Like if you tell somebody that, oh, you know, you broke up with your friend, in some ways, some people treat it kind of like, oh, it's hot tea and they they kind of like snicker about it. Versus if I had come to you and be like, oh, you know, my boyfriend and I broke up, there would be immediate sympathy. Are you okay? Right. <laughs> yeah. So we definitely need to, as a society and as individuals, we need to change the way that we view, you know, platonic versus romantic relationships. And we need to get better at having like the talk, right? Like I'm so guilty. I will quite quit that shit because you'll be doing things that, you know, for me, wh- whatever it is, I don't like admitting when I'm wrong. So I've probably done things, but in my head, like you're wrong. So you're, you're doing things that wrong me and I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm adding them up, I'm adding them up. And then it just gets to one, that additional straw and I have mentally and emotionally, I have checked out. Checked out. I just check out and I'm not going to stop talking to you, but it's going to be very up up. and and I acknowledge that that's not a healthy way, you know, to deal with that. But maybe I need to consult Dr. Marissa Franco.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think that because I tend to overthink things and then I have, in addition to overthinking, I have a really good memory. Mm. So I can sit here and replay a conversation that we had on you know, Thursday, April nine, two 2009. And remember where we were sitting. Like, I would just have a thought and I would piece, like, I would just have a, a thought and I start piecing bits like this day, this thing happened on this day, this thing happened. But I'm also learning so that I don't go crazy with all of these things. I have to talk to people to be like, okay, do mm-hmm. you recognize this thing? Because this is the way that I see it. And like we said before we started recording, it's not, I want to be very, I want to make sure that I call it out. Like I'm not looking for closure from another person. You have to give yourself closure. Nobody, because I feel like once you're waiting for someone to give you closure, you have given power of your emotions or your feelings to somebody else. And if they're wicked, they can do with it, whatever they want mm-hmm. to do with it. So you have to like have these conversations and get to a point with yourself where you're okay and give yourself the peace that you are seeking. But because I'm overthinking sometimes, like I'll admit where I'm wrong, But I also want you to validate that the things that I'm thinking I'm not insane. These are the things that you did. I'm not a mad person. (laughs) Yeah. And even even if you don't, I'll accept that. I will
1: still tell myself that you are mad because you did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To your point about closure, right? And this goes for romantic, platonic, any kind of relationship. You just got to be okay with accepting that you'll never get the apology that you want, need or deserve. So it's, I mean, it is what it is. You got to like work through it yourself. Sometimes you will and the person will acknowledge what they did. And sometimes, sometimes they won't. Like I'm super vindictive. Like if you apologize to me and you don't tell me like exactly what you're apologizing for, I'm not accepting the apology. Don't come to me and say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. That's not an apology. Yeah. What are you apologizing for? Name the thing. Name the thing. Because when you were doing the thing, you were doing it with your whole chest. So bring yes. that same energy in your apology.
0: You know <laughs> another thing, people disrespecting you in public, they want
1: to apologize in private. Mm-mm, Mm-mm. Listen to me. No. Hey, <laughs> if there were 15 people there when you disrespected me, you get out of those 15 people. People I apologize in front of them. I don't care if it's a Zoom. Listen, I'm not accepting the apology otherwise. mean, <laughs> I said public disrespect,
0: public apology. Bruh. You don't get to drag me. I want to come and tell me, so mm-mm, 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 no shit. take you back to the market square where you were shouting my name. That's where you're also going to go and <laughs> kneel down apologize for your hands in the air because we don't do that.
1: Keep the same energy. Okay, so we've talked about breakups that are caused by, you know, something that you can point to or several things in most cases that you can point to, but sometimes... Friendships kind of dissipate for other reasons, right? We were saying earlier how you no longer share whatever interest it was that initially, you know, connected you, right? Maybe you guys were party buddies and now one person either cannot or just doesn't want to party For that reason. But I feel like that's a flimsy. That's a flimsy. There's so many things that you can do besides going to a club. Like you can go to brunch. You can go to lunch. There's alcohol at lunch if it's drinking that you want to do. That's flimsy Mm -hmm. for me.
0: It's just an example. But I think that you have, like some people have different circles of friends where some friends are for, you know, X Mm -hmm. and some friends are for Y. It's like any relationship, Mm -hmm. your romantic and your platonic relationship, right? Right. It's the same way they say couples grow apart because you met and you had these things in common, but sometimes your ideals, your, your values change or your beliefs change. And Mm -hmm. if you're not growing together with your partner, then you wake up one day, you guys are strangers. And Mm -hmm. so friendship too, is like the thing that brought you together, it could even be something like, you know, finances, right? Like you were both in college broke. You see the movies Mm -hmm. and in real life you were in college, you are broke, you were going to the $1, you know, $1 drink spots and it was fine. And then one person gets a job, they can now afford buying a bottle and mm-hmm. your friend can barely pay the cover. And it's like, how do you meet this friend in the middle? Because if you as a friend who has more, you're only picking the fancy places that your friend cannot afford, then Either they just stop answering the phone or they don't, they cannot
1: hang out with you because they just
0: cannot do it.
1: But to your point, it's like, if you're the friend that has the money, you you can still be going to the cheapo place with this your one friend and have another circle that you go to the bougie place. I don't understand why that would tear your friends apart. Some people will not. Some people will not. Like if it's new
0: money, they just come into this new lifestyle. Maybe they never thought they would be there or they just don't think about their friends. Or they see mm-hmm. their friend as less than, and the friend feels that way, because I was I I said I said that it's important to grow with your friends, and sometimes like part of that is you encouraging your friend and motivating your friend to want and be better, so that mm-hmm. you can do things the things that you enjoy together. Because you know what if you can afford, you don't want to one you don't mm-hmm. want to be the bank, you don't want to be the bank, right? right. You are not becoming a parent, right? But you also don't want to curtail your enjoyments because your friend cannot afford.
1: But if you met, this is my thing, right? And I think it applies to romance relationships also. If you met that person at a certain level, I don't think you should expect them. They they might, and it would be good for them if they you know move to a different level, but you should not expect that person to change the level where they're at. And they should certainly not change it to try to keep up with you. Not change to keep up. So this is a very specific. I'm saying like if you started together at the bottom, right? Yeah, meet them back at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Go to the swine board. Meet them back where you guys met until they are ready to move up. What if they're never ready? But that's okay. They they rewatch girlfriends.
0: They also (laughs) have (laughs) fifth (laughs) PhD and
1: always mooching off her friends. That's different, right? If the person is mooching, (laughs) but I'm talking about like, in the case of doing activities, right? If the person, if you guys were always going out to Chili's, two for twenty or whatever it is that they have, that special, all it endless, endless bread, unlimited. There bread. you go. And now all of a sudden you have no boo money. You're not like if that was you guys's thing, and your friend is still at that level. You know, let meet them there. Meet them there. Go make some new noble friends. But I'm just saying you recognize how like stuff like this, it, yeah, it yeah, yeah. creeps. It's not one day. It mm-hmm. creeps because you've just
0: gotten into this thing. you now like all these new things that you're doing. Maybe you told yourself or you've convinced yourself that you were just managing <laughs> that endless pasta at, at Olive Garden. Like now <laughs> <you> want <laughs> truffle pasta. You want truffle pasta with just, you know, olive oil from Greece. And okay. Route di mare from <laughs> You don't want you don't want scrimps anymore. You don't want crims. <laughs> oh, not the Cheddar Bay biscuits. <laughs> you don't want that anymore.
1: You know? Lord, I think so it's what? important now. Like you cannot forget your roots. What do you mean? Go back to Chili's two or twenty with your friend. It's it's one time they ain't gonna kill you.
0: i can't even remember the last time i went to Chili's.
1: me neither bro i mean if we're talking cheap food there's so many better options like you don't have to go to to that kind of place take me to we can go to look at taco joints yes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you mentioned life changes earlier right like having kids that's something that drives you know friendships apart like people get married they have kids or they take on a new job that is demanding there's this trope it it seems in african and i see it mainly in nigerian media maybe because i consume a lot of their media but this trope that married women don't want to have single friends around that somehow when you get married your friend group changes or has to change because you don't want single women around is is that a trope that it's in Cameroonian society? i have not experienced it because my friends are not stupid bitches but Mm, um i have have. (laughs) You have, have in Camarilla Society? Mm-hmm. Really?
0: I didn't find out find until out like much later. We're having a conversation and she's like, I'm sorry, but I just thought that, you know, being married, I was supposed to act a certain way and be friends with certain people. I was shocked because like, what? But I was like, hey, you know, at least you're honest about it now. But it, it still threw me off, which it does happen a lot. So I did have people. I remember when my daughter was born, And my 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 (laughs) then friends, not now friends, my (laughs) then friends were making plans. I'm like, you guys should invite me. And somebody said, ah, you have a child now. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I maybe they were being flippant. They did not mean it, but it hurt my feelings. Then I think they did not, in (laughs) fact, invite me. Where I have a friend who was super accommodating to me, and I told her that I never wanted to take it for granted. So for like. We left Houston, what, five years later. And up until I was leaving Houston, she would like, oh, we should do something. And I always say like, hey, I'm bringing her with me. Is that okay? It's like, I don't care. And I told her that I just feel like I also have to respect her. Like when she sends me an invitation, I don't have to assume that she's okay with mm-hmm. me bringing my plus one. Maybe she wants to talk about something in private and we don't necessarily need her. But she became part of our hangout circle. Like the couple know, that we took her to brunch when she was three months old and by the time we left she said if you pulled up somewhere, she's like "Well, oh, I've been here before you'll <laughs> never forget the day we pulled up to Abuzi for like family lunch and a bunch of like my cousins I said I've been here before with my mom and my auntie she's like yeah this
1: girl I love that we, for her though.
0: we went everywhere with her and I always tell my friend I appreciate her for making that you know time because I felt like the are people that I was friends with mm. They were not interested, but it's like your life does not end when you have a child and it's for you and your friends to meet each other halfway.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I told you this story. Maybe I said it on another episode. Like the women I know, not all of them, but a lot of them who are having kids now, those girlies are prioritizing their enjoyment. I was in the club with a heavily pregnant woman. She was dancing than all of us. Like that's I've gone out with like women who have like one month-old kids. Like the girlies are out and I love to see it. So that's unfortunate. Maybe like you your friends at the time, they thought that you would just immediately not have any time on your hands or just stop enjoying the things that you used to enjoy. I don't know, but I just tell people like you have to make make an effort. Like
0: your friend cannot maybe take the baby to brunch yet come and sit down. Like sometimes just something as simple as come sit in the house so she can shower because those first three months of fourth trimester, you'll be hearing what they they call them, phantom cries. The baby has Mm. cried so much that you're in the shower, you're thinking that the baby is crying. (laughs) They're not crying. (laughs) Actually, I had a friend who worked nights as a nurse and I would tell her like, hey, can you come over when, when you get off work? Just so she could like, the two of them would sleep and I would be like doing laundry or cooking or something. And that's all she did. She would just come and the two of them would cuddle wherever they were sleeping and I'll mm. go about my business. And that was friendship for us at that, in that moment.
1: Mm. I love that. So you thought, you spoke earlier about how when you broke up with your close friend, the mutual friends stayed with her, like she kept the friends, right? So that's one reason why. that. Those are some of the casualties of yeah. a friendship breakup where it's like, And I don't know why people feel the need to pick sides like that. Yeah, maybe you guys won't all hang out together, but you can still maintain a friendship with the other person. And I feel like it's the same way with when couples divorce, right? Like, it it seems like somebody has to keep their friends. And I'm like, why? Why can't the friends just maintain two separate relationships with the individuals? Some Some people are vindictive. They, they. Some people like clearly
0: like it's me or me or the other person, like very. There's there's no if or but. I want to say that men are <laughs> even to What you think so? <laughs> like men force no. their friends to pick sides. So I've seen where, and it's a very small sample size of adults I grew up with. Where the men got divorced, and they just kept the social circle, but anyway, it was it was their friends, mm-hmm. of sorts, it was more their friends, their wives were like they were more like friend of you know spouse mm-hmm. of our friend, and the women got banished from the social circle, no matter how much anybody's like, "Where, well, this lady, I wonder how she's doing." But it was almost like there was no way their wives would be accepted into the friendship circle as their own people versus you know, that, their wives. That's weird to me. It's small-minded people also.
1: Yeah, because if like I'm friends with the couple and they break up, if I like you people as individuals, like I'm going to maintain individual relationships with you guys. Yeah, it might be awkward when I have an event and, you know, if the breakup was bitter, I know that I cannot invite both of you, but still. other circumstances, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because if one person did the other person dirty... I might, especially if it's a man who did the woman dirty, even if I'm friends with both of them, just for the sake of the woman, I I will cut ties with the man just because he did her dirty. So I could see that. Yeah, I think the circumstances Mm -hmm.
0: sometimes matter. But yeah, I tend to take the woman's side. Sorry to the man's. Actually, not sorry. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. But no, really, like, I really think we need to normalize. I don't want to use the word normalize. We have to make it a habit to talk about friendship breakups and make it comfortable for people to talk about it. And I but it's just your friend, because like I said, when I was going through the thick of my friendship breakup, I thought I was a little mad person. I thought I was just being overly emotional, overly sensitive. And it wasn't until I met somebody who shared her own experience that I was I was able to open up and be like, man, these are the things that I've been I've been doing. And it's like, you're not insane. I'm not insane. Like it's normal. Mm-hmm. We're processing our feelings, but nobody is really talking about it. Like Up mm-hmm. until recently where I, I showed you that article that talked about, you know, how do we handle friendship breakups? It just feels like there's not a lot of literature. I mean, even Chad GPT. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. We tried to find data on platonic relationships, like breakups and endings. And Chat GPT told us that there's not, There's not enough data because platonic relationships are not prioritized in our society. (laughs) Before we close out, one thing that we didn't mention that I want us to talk about briefly is jealousy and how that can impact a friendship or at least the perception of it can impact a friendship. Hmm. So I'll, I'll start because I think Jealousy is a thing that we feel very ashamed of, right? Nobody wants to admit that they are jealous, but it's a natural emotion that everybody experiences. And it does not have to become a bigger thing if you actually acknowledge that that is the emotion that you're feeling and validate yourself. It doesn't have to become a bigger thing. It's natural to when you see somebody experiencing or achieving or having something that you want, it's natural to feel that jealousy, particularly when it's somebody that you're close to. I think, you know, but we kind of make it this taboo. And I'm not saying that you should run out and tell the person like, oh, I'm jealous of you. But I think acknowledging it to yourself yourself is the, is the first step to kind of dealing with it. And it does not have to become a thing. But I think what happens is that you don't acknowledge it to yourself. You're in denial. And then it manifests in other ways, right, that end up impacting the friendship. And then the flip side of that is people thinking that their friends are jealous of them when they're really not. That that's another side that is very real. (laughs)
0: If you start imagining jealousy, then you are not even really friends, to be honest. Like if you're imagining and seeing like Mm -hmm. things that are are not there, what is this thing that my, my friend said it's magical thinking? Like you're thinking something about your friend. You're having entire scenarios in your head, except you're not talking to your friend about it. And so you sit you sit there inferring from their action, this is what they mean, this is what they're implying, without ever stopping to ask, like, hey, what, what are you thinking? And mm-hmm. that can play into that, I think they're doing this because X, I think they're doing this because Y. Mm-hmm. But I would say definitely on jealousy, like, yeah, you can be envious, like, your friend is getting things that you guys talked about, you know, getting together or doing together. Don't run and tell them, please, in their moments, like, hey, this is that you mm. want. I always wanted it. But mm-hmm. at least be honest with yourself and maybe talk to your therapist or talk to yeah. another
1: friend. And it can yeah. very much be a passing thing, right? Yeah. It can be a passing yeah. emotion. And I think a lot of times if you deal with it at that moment, it will be. Oh, something I was going to add. Using your friends as your therapist.
0: Please get a real therapist. I had a friend break. It wasn't a breakup. It was just a break. Like, a, you know how celebrities break up and have break babies? Yes. So we had a break. <laughs> And I think one of the things that happened was I leaned on her so much. I leaned on her a little too much for everything. Mm. And she would tell you that she did not have boundaries at the time. So she like, she would just let me go on. And when she finally got to where she couldn't take it, she just cut me off and walked away without like addressing but because I knew her I could sort of understand what happened and it was like yeah yeah I went too far so it's like being able to sometimes like your friends say you're sounding board, and you talk to them but also sometimes just ask like hey do you have bandwidth for me today or like how much room do you have for my nonsense or whatever it is you want to because sometimes you're just like pouring out when yeah. your friend is also struggling and if they don't have they're not able to, you know, set firm boundaries and tell you no. Then it's not that you guys would break up, not because there's a big problem, but just because they could not handle that where it's simple. Like, hey, I can't do Like, you know, I don't have room for that right now Would have solved the problem.
1: Agreed. But how do you, as the friend that is being unloaded on, how do you say that without being insensitive? And I'll give the example that I mentioned where a friend, you know, had a breakup with her close friends. And it's like every time we got on the phone, that's what she was talking about. And it got to a point where I just didn't want to hear about it anymore. Like, I, I don't want to hear about you talking shit about your friends and saying the same thing that you've been saying over and over for the past how many weeks. So it got to a point where, yeah, I just, just stopped answering the calls. No
0: you know how my friends and I got to where we were able to say, hey, do you have, how much bandwidth do you have this morning or today? before no, i'm talking else. about the
1: other i'm talking about the person who is being I'm saying before on. you and what i'm saying like so i don't know how we got to where we established uh, that where
0: mm-hmm. you say ask mm-hmm. like hey how much room do you have i don't recall how we got there but it's it's a thing now to just ask like checking before you go it's like hey how much room do you have today
1: mm. yeah yeah i don't know like I get sometimes people want to be listened to, but there's a point where you're talking about the same thing over and over. I've given you my same two cents, you know, and it's and it's repetitive. And maybe that is your process of dealing with the thing. But on my end, I'm like,
0: which <laughs> mean, yeah. sometimes I apologize for coming about the same thing. But I do think, and not not all your friendships are the same way they'll get this mm-hmm. treatment. To say, hey, do you want? Do you want? Because sometimes it's like, do you want an ear or do you want a solution?
1: True, but not everybody can give people solutions. (laughs) Hey, come listen.
0: (laughs) But I don't think that all friendships can get because I think that you have to be like very invested to learn all these things and be able because all of this is you striving to be a better friend to this person, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why you're asking like, hey, do you just want an ear? Do you want solution? And being able to like, if your friend says, okay, not today, it's not personal. It's not that she hates you. It's literally just, I can't deal with this today. But I think it takes work to get.
1: There. Uh, I don't think I can ever say that to somebody. Like, it just sounds so, my goodness.
0: Because become, I don't know that I could say no, but I would just say like, hey, I'm, I'm dealing, you know, I'm going through it today, but what's going on? I think that's also me telling you that don't Mm -hmm. bring too much, you know, be also mindful of where my own head is Mm -hmm. so that I'm not giving. And it's like, do you want to talk about it or do you not want to talk about it? And then, you know, but not every, not everybody gets this. This is like, this, this is like the inner caucus where, because it's emotionally taxing. You have to invest in people to get to where you learn. You know, you have friends where you just say hello. It's like, what's going on? They can tell from, just your Mm hello that you're not okay and the other friends that you know they're literally telling you that man I'm, i'm going through it and you might not even hear it because they're chirpy but they're throwing out all the other hints and you don't catch it true true
1: that all right well listeners we really want to get your thoughts on you know whatever we've discussed on here have you gone through a friendship breakup do you agree or disagree about the way that we prioritize, view, deal with platonic versus romantic relationships as a society, as a culture, yeah. And then, if any men want to give input on male friendships and you know the things that we discussed, we we would love to hear from you. If you want to be like me and learn friendship without doing friendship, I would
0: link to Dr. Marisa Franco on Instagram. She shares a lot of like quick tips on. Friendship, platonic relationships, especially the do's and don'ts, and how to be a better friend. And I also share an article on, you know, why we lose friends, especially as we get older, and handling friendship breakups from The Atlantic. It's a really good article, so good that I actually bought a physical copy of the magazine. So
1: yes, if you want to look it up, if you just Google the the title of the article is "It's Your Friends Who Break Your Heart." If you Google that title and then The Atlantic. It should be the first result that you get, and yeah, it's it's really long, but it it's detailed and it covers a lot of the things that we talked about on this episode. All right, if you're enjoying this podcast, follow us wherever you're listening, give us a five star rating, and review us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Two B's Pod if you want to, you know, continue this conversation and the others that we have on the pod. And then just a reminder that our B's book of the month for February is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Brinya. And happy Valentine's Day and more importantly, happy Black History Month. Yes, happy Black History Month to all who celebrate. And if you see any Kente Black History
0: Month celebration, burn it, please. Hey! I saw a TikTok today where Southwest had tied Kente fabric on a pillar around their desk, I don't know what airport, and decorated their counter of Kinte. I'm offended. Why? I mostly because, I don't know if you are still on Twitter when the Democratic
1: caucus made those Kinte stalls and took a knee. Oh, yes. Oh, That's... my gosh. I remember I, that vision of Nancy Pelosi is emblazoned in my mind.
0: On February 1st, somebody posted that and said, oh. Happy Blackie. <laughs> And it's just like, there are a lot of things that companies are doing that just seem performative. Performative. And then in the worst way, I saw that. I don't know if it was true. Because in this internet age, you never know what is fake. That Bath & Body Works had like a watermelon something
1: candle as his black. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. You know what's a really good black history month collection? Target. Target. It's not really yes. popping this year as it does other years. But yes, Actually. So this is my favorite item every year from the Black History Month collection because of my hair. I always I was his. looking for that hat. The listeners cannot see, but it's a it's a it's a backless face cap, right? Yeah, and then it's like satin, it's lined with satin on the inside.
0: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if you have a furrow or like wear braids, it works out mm-hmm. for or a bun.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was looking for that hat when I went in. I think they were sold out. And then like some of the sweatshirts, like their sizes, you know, some of the sizes that sold out. But yeah, they have some really cute Black History Month. And I think it's by black designers also. So it's not just them like rolling oh, yeah. out some bullshit. It yeah. is.
0: They usually work with like black designers. And they they usually the the tags would usually tell you something about what well, this one says designed by a black target team artist. But if it's like brands they collaborate with, then they'll put some stuff on the cards, on the tags about the brands.
1: Yeah, so again, happy Valentine's Day and happy Black History Month. And until next time. Talk for mob, no big cargo for head.
0: These things are getting more difficult.
1: No, why is it difficult? So the literal translation means words in the mouth are not a load on the head. It's not really a burning. So imagine like, You know, people carrying stuff on their head, right? Yeah. So my interpretation is actions speak louder than words. You saying something doesn't mean that you're going to do it or doesn't mean that you're doing it. Talk for mop no for head. That's my interpretation is actions speak louder than words. Because I tend to be literal and overthinking.
0: I'm looking at it like, well, somebody says something, you don't have to take it to heart. I don't know. But like I said, they've gotten difficult for me. Or oh,
1: well maybe another way to your point maybe sticks and stones yes yeah okay. it's like sticks and stones may hurt but my bones but words never hurt right so yeah. somebody yes. saying something yeah yes that's it so anyway okay maybe that's another we'll put this on instagram and have people interpret since who are not in agreement but yeah <laughs> that is our proverb for the day we'll see you next time bye